On today's show, the Hawks fall at the hands of the Chicago Bulls on this Monday evening in the final game, at home at least, before the All-Star break. And really, it was the defense that kind of collapsed for the Hawks in this contest. Offense was probably good enough to win, but the defense was certainly not. We'll get into all of that, what transpired, how it sort of informs the future, and much more. And all of that is on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1652 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And today's show is brought to you by the folks at Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. And the place to go is prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for first time deposit match up to $100. Check it out now at PrizePicks. Also, I want to encourage you to make us your first listen each and every day. Start your day with us or end the day with us or whatever you want to do. But please check us out across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Overcast on the audio side, as well as YouTube on the video side. And today's show will focus on what became a home loss for the Hawks, 136 to 126. It was a closer game than that for the most part, but it was snaps a two-game winning streak for the Hawks. Also, they squandered a chance at home to win their seventh game in the last nine. They were up as many as 13 points in the first half of this contest. It gave them a big run at the end of the first half to kind of blow that lead once and for all. It was close fought in the second half for the most part. Atlanta was within single digits really the entire way until the end, but uh, certainly pretty ugly offensively at times, but certainly defensively pretty much the entire game. And then they allowed, by the way, a season high in points for the Bulls. Not for the Hawks allowing, but for the Bulls scoring at 136. So we'll get into it now, how this one unfolded. Certainly not a great performance for the Hawks in any way, shape, or form. We're going to open sort of broadly with that. And how, like, I saw, like, tweets about how this was a disastrous loss. And, yeah, it was not a good performance. Broadly speaking, the Hawks were favored in this game, according to our friends at FanDuel, by about five points. So nothing crazy, but certainly they were the team that was supposed to win, quote-unquote, in this contest, even with only 10 guys active for the Hawks. Now, they were only missing one core rotation player, and that was Clint Capella. Um, they had a hundred return in this game. They were without A.J. Griffin and Wes Matthews and Patty Mills. They were sick. But the Hawks were still, you know, in pretty normal form short of Capella as Bruno Fernando came back to give some more size, etc., the Bulls actually did not have Alex Caruso in this game, uh, and normally they are much better when he plays, and also Zach Levine's out of the season, so uh, no excuses there, no you know rest situations or any of that stuff, just a flat-out loss for Atlanta. And I have to start here. The, de- the defense of this game was just not good enough, um, and that's probably being kind in this spot. I, I already said it once, but a season-high in scoring for Chicago, 136. They also had a 128 offensive rating to the Bulls in this game. That is really bad against a team in Chicago. They're not terrible offensively, but they are not great at all offensively. And I will say it was kind of funny. The Hawks were pretty decent enough, at least on the scoreboard, defensively in about the first 10-ish minutes. The Bulls scored 18 points in the first 10 minutes of the game. And then the last 38 minutes, they scored 118 points. So... That's pretty wild in itself, and perhaps the craziest single stat of this game, or maybe just takeaway or whatever, is that the Hawks actually rebounded the ball extremely well in this contest. So for some context here, the Bulls, with Andre Drummond playing a lot of minutes off the bench, he's one of the best rebounders in the league, if not the best when he's at full strength, 
plus Vucevic, they certainly had a lot of size in the front court. They, at one point, the Bulls were playing two centers together. Um, and pregame, that was, that was a story. And it probably should have been the Hawks, even when they've been winning recently, have been rebounding the ball quite poorly. Um, and in this game, they rebounded the ball extremely well. And not just because the Bulls were making every shot, but also because even, even on a rate basis, they did a good job there. And uh, starting there, like if, if all you knew about this game is the Hawks could rebound really well, they'd have been in good shape. But everything else, and I mean genuinely speaking, everything else defensively was bad by the numbers. So the Bulls shot 55% from the field in the game. They were 25 of 32 at the rim. That's a lot of attempts and also a lot of makes. 68 points in the paint for Chicago in this game. And then you throw in the fact that the Bulls had an uncharacteristically good three-point shooting night as well at 13 of 28. Now that is a little bit of being unlucky a little bit on three-point shooting Um, because the Bulls are not great as a three-point shooting team. And, you know, guys like Io DeSumo hitting five of seven is a little bit tough. But don't get me wrong. The defense was bad in this game. They allowed a ton of layups, a ton of easy buckets around the rim, Back cuts and perimeter containment was a problem the entire game, and that was probably the number one problem, I would say, in this one. But they allowed 29 free throw attempts. That's a lot as well. 29 assists for the Bulls, and they only forced six turnovers. So if you're going to play the way the Hawks did in this game and allow a bunch of easy stuff, you kind of have to offset that with turnover creation to kind of keep the possession battle in line. And even with, you know, the Hawks rebounding the ball well, etc., the turnover battle swung to Chicago, and that kind of hurt them too. So, uh, you know... Basically got drilled all the way across the board defensively, other than rebounding. And when you adjust for opponent, it's pretty rough. Like, yeah, DeMar DeRozan's awesome. Um, you know, he's not a flawless player, but certainly a guy who you know, it should not be a surprise he had 29 points. But Vucevic has been bad this year. He was really good in this game offensively. DeSumo had a career high. Um, Kobe White had 20 points. So uh, not, not a whole lot to speak of offensively, sorry, defensively, in a positive light for Atlanta in this game. And, you know, that kind of you know, aligns with the rest of the season in a lot of ways. The Hawks have been bad defensively for most of the year, but they've been a little bit better lately. That did not happen at all in this game. In fact, this was probably one of their worst defensive performances in the season. Certainly, uh, I don't want to rank it right now off the top of my head, but uh, not a good defensive performance, and that's what cost them, for the most part, in this game. By the end, the offense was actually okay. Now, it was not great, and we'll get into kind of the more, more of the context about that as this show goes on. But the Hawks ended up putting up about a 121 offensive rating. And man, if they if all you told me was that even, that's pretty good against this Bulls team that does not score at a high level. But um, the shooting was just okay. Actually, it was kind of you know, maybe below average on the whole for the Hawks in the entire game when you ignore free throw shooting. But the second half, they shot 51% from the field, 15 assists, etc. They got to the line 29 times in the game. Um, they had 33 assists and 12 turnovers offensively. That's a great ratio. Um, all these things, like they didn't really have anything bad offensively other than, th- other than some shooting issues from three-point range. They won the glass, as I talked about earlier. They had seven guys in double figures offensively, but um, without going into it too far right now, as we'll do it later, the Hawks had a weird night from Trey and DeJounte, who were uh, collectively, um, I'm going to do the math one more time here, yeah, they were collectively 10 of 31 from the field and 4 of 18 from three. And, you know, if the Hawks, it's not impossible for the Hawks to win games when they do that, but they are heavily reliant on Trey and DeJounte, especially Trey, and neither one of those guys were good in this game. Now, they had 23 assists combined, so there were some nice moments, um, but shooting-wise, like it's really hard for this team to overcome Trey and DJ doing that. And they were just also, not, not even just the shooting, they, they didn't play well, either one of them in this game. Offensively, defensively, it was kind of a mess 
on the perimeter. Um, they almost made up for that with DeAndre Hunter and Bogdanovich going crazy. They combined to shoot 17 of 30 from the field and 10 of 17 from three. So that kind of balanced it out. That's kind of how you get to a pretty good offensive performance on the whole with Trandy DJ doing that because it was offset by, you know, really, really good nights from Hunter and Bogey, but it wasn't quite enough to, again, not to bring things full circle once once more, but that's why I'm talking about this being a defensive first loss in a pretty easily when you evaluate this game. It was it was much more about the defense than the offense. And yeah, it would have been better if Trey and Ajante were better and they were not good in this game, but they almost would have won it anyway if they'd gotten some more stops and uh, they just simply did not get stops along the way in this one. So talk about the sort of the context more as the, as, as the show goes along, talking about you know how, how, how it unfolded, some of the observations along the way, the player stuff later on in the podcast. But, uh, you know, broadly speaking, not a great performance. And you know, Bogey said um, after the game on the record at the podium that the Hawks had a pretty, a pretty obvious and also just like stated goal to win their last four games before the All-Star break. And uh, they had a chance to do that right now. They could have closed the All-Star break, uh, the first half, I should say, with uh, eight wins in their last 10. But uh, this loss is a bit of a speed bump. As we'll talk about later, Akongwu is now potentially banged up. He has a toe injury that we'll, t- that we'll talk about. And Capella's already out. And, you know, some challenges lay ahead. So we'll get into that later. But certainly, on the whole, not the best night at the office for the Hawks on this Monday. And we'll talk more about that in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks and Demons, a goblet of the newest and most exciting ways to play at Prize Picks. Squares part with red demons or green goblins give you different payouts. You can now win up to 100 times the money on with just as little as four correct picks. You can turn $10 into $1,000. If you want to pay, play alongside, probably some of their favorite players like Rapper Meat Mill or Comedian Andrew Schultz. You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view some of the interest from some of the biggest names in the prospects community each and every week. They offer injury insurance as well, so their interest stay in play even if you're, one of your players happens to get injured along the way. And it's also simple to play. I can make picks and spend an entry just a minute or less. It's that quick. They have fast withdrawals as well. They have easy gameplay and an enormous selection of players and stat types. That's what makes Price Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And I've been playing on there for quite some time now. I got dug in there tonight on the Hawks game and across the NBA world, college basketball stuff. There's a lot to get into, and I really enjoy that each and every day. And the place to go, of course, is prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. And use code LockedOnNBA when you get there for a first-time deposit match up to $100. One more time, that is prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA, and use code LockedOnNBA. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy with PrizePicks. Okay, and to the game flow in this contest. Early on, the Hawks had their best, their biggest and best run of the game. That was actually a 10-0 run. After kind of a not clean start, it's kind of uneven for both sides in the first few minutes, but then the Hawks scored on six straight trips. And again, ten, a 10-0 run to go up and kind of go up double digits and be in pretty, pretty firm control. Uh, rotationally, there were not huge surprises along the way. There was one point of uncertainty. But, you know, for the most part, it was Bogey, it was Hunter, um, the Bulls did play big, and I actually liked the adjustment or non-adjustment by the Hawks to not kind of try to match that. They played small against that group, and it worked just fine against just two, against the two centers. Bruno Fernando came in for the backup center minutes after he missed the game on Saturday. Um, that was a very normal thing. Akongwu was really good, and Bruno was probably not in his first stint, first stint in, in particular. But the one point of uncertainty, and I told people this before the game, all this stuff, um, I thought that it was going to be ob- a pretty obvious top eight with you know the bench guys of Hunter, Bogey and Bruno as the backup center. And the question was, who's going to be the ninth man between Garrison Matthews and Kobe Bufkin, who's still up with the Hawks right now. It was Garrison for exactly four minutes. And in the second half, it was, it was an eight man rotation. So I saw many people, and I, I agree with this observation, lamenting that Kobe Bufkin did not play at all 
because a he might have helped with the perimeter defense, but also just the fact that you know Garris played over him. Um, I think one of those is reasonable, the perimeter defense point for sure. But I don't think that they were going to play Bufkin a lot in this game either way. It was going to be kind of a limited role. Um, I would have probably tried Kobe at some point, but once he did, once he didn't play in the first half, it was pretty obvious that was going to be not the case in this game, and he was kind of just you know available for some depth insurance if something happened to Trey or Dejounte because Patty, because Patty Mills was out. So I don't love it, but I also you know wasn't like outraged either because I don't think there was going to be a huge role there. And for the most part, like the top seven guys played 27 minutes or more for the Hawks, and then Bruno played pretty much exactly the non-Klingwood minutes until the very end when they went small. So. You know, no surprises. It's just what it is, and we'll see if Bufkin plays at all on Wednesday. But I do think, and I said this a little bit on the show on Saturday when I talked about how good he played, I thought he, I thought he looked good on defense in particular. Um, it's a little bit more difficult to see him playing a ton of minutes with Trey and DJ both available because the way that Quinn runs his rotation, that's it's pretty short. If Bogey, so I, I should say this, if Bogey, Trey, and Dejounte are all available, which happens more often than not, there aren't a ton of minutes available, and that's kind of just going to be what I'll be interested to see how they sort of operate that with Bufkin because I think it's important to play him, but at the same time, like it wasn't, it's not like there's 30 minutes available every night for Kobe Bufkin. So we'll come back to that later on if we need to. Um, you know, the Hawks were up 13 in the first quarter. Bogey had a couple jump shots. They were feeling it. They were laughing. They were having fun. And then the Bulls closed the first quarter on an 8 to 2 run. Um, the Hawks did have 11 assists and no turnovers in the first quarter, which obviously is pretty impressive. But a 15-4 extended run by the Bulls to get back within two early in the second quarter. Uh, Hunter, though, was red hot. He hit three threes in a hurry. He and Bogey were hot the entire game, really, on offense. And the Hawks were up by nine points with, like, two-ish minutes to go in the first half. And that was the last time they were really in control of this game because the Bulls closed the first half on a 12-2 run to go up by one. So after all of that, the Hawks being up comfortably pretty much the entire half. They were down one at the halftime break. The offense got very, very stagnant. If you want to complain about something offensively in this game, I would point to the guards in particular, but really the entire team getting stagnant and kind of losing losing the plot offensively. After a strong start when they were moving the ball well, um, it was a little bit a little bit too stagnant. Again, like a little bit you know, too much settling, some contested shots, lack of flow, some bad turnovers, etc. And that kind of cost them along with some shot making by the Bulls. So in the first half, Trey and DJ were 3-15 from the floor and the Hawks were missing threes. And uh, you know, that kind of continued for the most part. There were some fireworks early in the second half. Uh, Murray got fouled, I thought, pretty clearly, like maybe twice or three times in the backcourt. It was uncalled, ended up being a turnover, and then Trey was clearly enraged by that lack of a non-call. He got right in the official's face to the point where I was a little bit worried that he actually might get, might get ejected. He got a T. Um, that's his 10th of the season. Um, for reference, you can only have 15 before you get suspended on, on the 16th. So that's something to keep an eye on in the last couple of months of the season. Uh, and then Quinn called timeout pretty fast. So there was a little bit of unease early in the third quarter. And they had ball security issues as well. They had four turnovers in about seven minutes or so. And then just defensively, I know I talked about it earlier, but I'll just kind of say it now in the third quarter in particular. It was a lack of containment of the ball in general. They, you know, point of attack has been a problem for three years now. So not like a huge surprise. But whether it was Trey, whether it was DJ, whether it was Bogey in particular, um, Bay, you know, even Johnson and Hunter were not like immune to this, even though know, they're usually better. Uh, it was really rough. You know, they were letting Desunmu and White kind of get wherever they want to. DeRozan, again, is kind of different. Like, he's a more under control, kind of at his pace, slower pace, like pull-up jump shooter, all that stuff. Like, it wasn't like he was getting anywhere he wanted to off the dribble by beating guys. He kind of was just crafty. But the fact that they could not contain the ball, even with guys like Javon Carter, who's like, he's not really an on-ball player, he was able to get to his spot. So 
it was really rough. They actually allowed 24 points in the paint in the third quarter, plus 10 free throw attempts. So if you pulled out for the full game, that'd be 96 points in the paint on pace. That's obviously terrible. So yeah, it was rough. They were down by nine late in third, got back, got it back to five. They did trim the rotation down to eight by skipping Garrison. Hunter made a couple plays early in the fourth quarter on defense to kind of get the Hawks back engaged. You know, the second one was a run out for a bucket. Quinn Snyder pretty demonstratively and excitedly fist pumped at DeAndre coming off the floor. Like he was really happy about that, that run in particular. They got the lead down to one. They never took the lead in the fourth quarter, but it was they were down by one point after a Murray mid-range jump, jump shot like halfway through the quarter. Bogey was still hot. Um, they tried to get Trey and Jalen back in, but there wasn't a stoppage for a long time. And by the time they actually got a timeout and got those back, guys back into the game, they were down six with about 440 to go. Then they had an implosion the next minute or so. Trey got a flopping technical foul with like four minutes left in a competitive game, which was a, kind of a weird call. Um, they were down 10 at that point in time. Then they tried to go to a no-center offense. Uh, sorry, no-center lineup. To juice the offense, I thought. Now, here's some context here. I mentioned it once before. I thought, because Quinn often will do this, and a lot of coaches do, they will go small. to When, when you're losing by a, a considerable margin in the fourth quarter, it just it increases variance when you go small, in theory. And that, yeah, you're probably going to hemorrhage some defense, but when you're already down 10, it kind of just like raises the speed of the game, raises their point shots. And I thought that was what they were doing. Like, I didn't necessarily love or hate that. I thought that that was what they were going to do. But after the game, we found out from Quinn Snyder that Okongwu hurt his toe. Now, we don't know anything else beyond that other than he was being evaluated and that Quinn said he couldn't come back in the game. So that isn't great. Um, toe could be anything. Could be a broken toe. Could be nothing. We'll see. But obviously with Capella already out, and I think the widespread assumption is that Capella's not going to play on Wednesday, at the very least, you know, Bruno was not good in this game, and Okongwu obviously has been really good recently. He wasn't as good today, but like they're going to need him. So that, that's a it's a huge looming question. If that's a, a lengthy injury, the Hawks would be in some trouble. If he's just out for a little bit of time, that wouldn't be so bad, but something to circle there in the coming days. But that run, that didn't work. They couldn't get the stops. I mean, that, that's the thing. They got they got the deficit down to six. Um, that was the closest it got in the final minute. Um, but even then, some faint life. It was short-lived, and they simply could not get stops. I said it before. But they allowed a 138 defensive rating in the second half of this game. The Bulls scored 76 points. And this is, again, not a good offense. So the Hawks just could not get stops. Um, offensively, they did enough. I mean, they, they scored 77 points in the second half. Sorry, 67 points in the second half. That's still a lot. Um, it just wasn't enough stops along the way. And when you're down, that's the underrated portion always when you're trying to sort of make a comeback. You got to get stops. And the Hawks just couldn't do it. They kept scoring, but they couldn't get stops. And... Uh, they were basically dead from there. So if you're scoring at home, the Hawks essentially were down the entire second half. Um, they were never down like an instrumental amount, but they never got it back on the rails. And that 13-point lead from the first half felt like it was a long way out. Again, it was 31-18 in this game. And the rest of the way, uh, the Bulls won by 23 points over about a 38-minute period. So we'll leave it there for now. We'll have more on the player stuff in just one moment. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. This segment is brought to you by the folks at BetterHelp. Sometimes we actually need the opportunity to get something off our chest, big or small. Certain things that actually can start to get to you along the way. It's important to let that stuff out, especially to someone who is unbiased on your life. 
So today I want to tell you about how I feel about something, and for maybe a few of you in similar space, you will potentially understand. And that is to have some unease about the next steps in the media business right now. I'm not talking about just the fact that the Hawks are reporting and all that stuff that I do on this podcast, but whether there's actually going to be stuff to report on and jobs available in the sports media space, whether the work that I do in different ways will be able to be continued how it is now. And of course, it's not the most important thing in the world, the most intense thing, life-altering topics. The therapy can be different for everybody. Most of us, including me, have much bigger problems than the stuff involving sports and the media stuff, but it's also quite important to get things off your chest every once in a while. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. And the place to go is betterhelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. You get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. That's betterhelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. One more time, the place to go is BetterHelp, betterhelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, into the player evaluations at the end of the podcast. Not a ton of positives, but I will start positive and then talk about Hunter and Bogdanovich. So I mentioned before they combined for crazy numbers in this game, but Bogey was really awesome on offense. 28, 28 points to lead the entire Hawks team in scoring. In 27 minutes, he was 5 of 6 on twos. He was 6 of 10 on threes, 4 assists and a steal. Um, Bogey has been shooting the ball a little bit better. He had kind of a swoon, you know, the, he had that famously scalding hot start to the season where I was coming on the podcast and talking regularly about he, how he should be, if not the leader in, three, in six man of the year run, voting, certainly near the top of the list. I've cooled on that a little bit. I think he's, he's still definitely a real candidate, but he did not shoot the ball particularly well for a few weeks. And now he's kind of coming back to life a little bit here with six threes today. He had four against the Clippers. He had four against the Suns. He had four against the Lakers and et cetera. So, been a little bit better. Uh, he was awesome in this game as a shooter. Obviously, it's helpful when he makes all the shots. Now, defensively, Bogey's been rough for a while. Not a huge surprise there, but he was still a valuable player in this game. And then DeAndre Hunter was very good as well. 23 points in 28 minutes. That's the most minutes he's played since he got back. He had not topped 23 and a half, 24 since then. Um, no real update. People kept asking me, like, what his workload's going to be or whether he'll start again in the near future. Uh, TBD on that. It would not surprise me if they wanted to keep him in this role for a little while longer. Uh, usually, Hunter is a starter. Like, as soon as he's ready to go, he's a starter again. But um, they, they're sort of ramping him up a little bit. But I thought he was really good in this game. 23-6, and six, had two blocks. He had four threes. Got to the line seven times. That's a huge thing. Uh, so, yeah, he's showing signs of being positive. Of course, he sat the game on Saturday with the back-to-back. So, they're obviously managing the knee. And that might be a good idea for a while, but um, one more game and then sort of a long break to kind of get him even healthier, hopefully, in the future. And um, I said it before, I'll say it again now, the Hawks are a different team, generally speaking, when they have all of Hunter, Bay, and Johnson available. They just have more size, they have more physicality, and that's certainly something that Snyder talks about a lot as well. And then especially defensively with Hunter and Jalen, those are so far and away their two best defensive forwards that having those guys both available is very helpful for a team that just needs defense up and down the up and down the line. Uh Garris Matthews played four minutes, as I mentioned before, zero points, didn't take a shot in the game, had a rebound. I thought he was fine, but he didn't like change your world or anything like that. And obviously Bucket would have been a little bit different, but um I'll leave that there for now. Uh I thought Bruno really struggled. Now I will be charitable a little bit to Bruno in that he was just very sick for a couple days. He missed the game on Saturday with illness. There is an illness going around the team right now. Obviously, Patty Mills still out. Wes Matthews still out. AJ Griffin misses game with illness, so they have, they have a serious something going on. Um, flu-like or whatever, they have not talked about what it is. But obviously, Bruno was quite sick. He was on the injury report for this game. Ended up playing. I'm sure he was not 100%, and he did not play very well. Obviously, I, I thought the first half, it was like pretty jarringly bad, honestly. And part of that was that Congo was so good in the first half, and Bruno was so bad in the first half. Um, 
The second half, it was a little bit more even, but I thought he obviously was overmatched in this game. Did have some rebounds, two five from the floor, um, three fouls, like just not his best at all. And, you know, I'm a, someone who defends Bruno a lot. I think Bruno's pretty good, but tonight it was not his best effort for sure. Um, to the starters, uh, we'll save Trey and Jonathan for the end. I thought Akangwu, Bay, and Johnson were all finish, but not particularly good. Um, Sadiq, 11 points, five rebounds, had three assists, 0-5 from three. So obviously some, some regression there, unfortunately. Five, six on twos. I thought he was always physical, but in space, he was kind of a mess defensively, as he sometimes is. Jalen, 13 points, eight rebounds, two assists. Um, had some nice flashes offensively, but defensively, I thought he was actually kind of notably rough in this game. Um, not, again, he wasn't like awful overall, but uh, minus 13 and kind of earned that, I thought. Kongo was really good in the first half and not particularly good in the second half, I didn't think. Um, he did rebound the ball well. 12 rebounds in the game for Kongo in 33 minutes, 11 points, had a block shot. Um, he was okay on the whole, but not his best. He'd been playing better than this the last few games before this. So like the trio of the front court. Um, having no standouts was kind of notable in this one. I thought Hunter was probably their best frontcourt player on the whole, maybe along with the Kongwu, but um, yeah, nothing special there. And then Trey DJ, you know, I gave the numbers earlier, but one more time, 10 of 31 from the floor, four of 18 from three. Um, they both had a lot of assists. So they actually combined for 23 assists. And that's obviously very good. It's a ton of assists. It's hard to have two guys combine for 23 assists and not play well, but that kind of happened in this game. So DeJounte, was the one who shot it a little bit better from the field than Trey did. He was 7-17 from the floor and 2-8 of eight from 3, but only got to the line for two attempts and missed one of them, and he had six turnovers. Um, so I thought Murray was not good. Um, defensively, they were both part of the problem, but Murray was not. Uh, certainly, he's been better recently, but he was not very good in this game defensively. Um, like He had some. He was better than Trey was in the second half, I will say, but uh, on the whole, you know, inefficient. Did not assist, but six turnovers is a little bit rough. And then Trey was really bad. I mean, he got to the line 12 times. He had 14 assists. It's a, this is also individually crazy that a guy that I'm talking about a guy not playing well at all who had 14 assists and two turnovers. But Trey wasn't very good. I mean, it, again, the, you're, you're grading on a curve always with some players, and Trey and Ajante are really good players, so they don't have the same level of play well or play poorly that other guys might. But Trey was really rough offensively in this one. He was 3 of 14 on the floor, 2 of 10 on threes. Um you know, two terms is, is pretty good, actually, for him at 19 points, but he was minus 14. Defensively, it was one of his worst games in a while. Um, yeah, they, they just have to get something better from either Trey or Jante, preferably both. And uh, bad timing to have them both not play well. Again, they almost got bailed out by Bogey going crazy and Hunter, and Hunter playing really well. But um, overall, it was just a not great performance from the Hawks. And defensively, it was certainly kind of a, a porous evening, to say the least. So, from here. But before we get off this podcast and uh, into a Tuesday, the Hawks play one more time before the All-Star break, and the game is on Wednesday, which is also Valentine's Day, up in Charlotte. And then we'll have more than a week between games due to the actual All-Star break itself. And Trey is the only person participating in All-Star weekend. So basically, everybody on the roster, other than Trey, gets some time off to hopefully rest and recuperate. And Trey, we talked about that tonight, all that stuff. Um, just for some comparison's sake, the Hornets are quite bad this year. But they're actually playing better now. They've made some trades that were certainly future-facing um, at the deadline, but they've now won two games in a row. Um, they are still, don't get me wrong, they are not good. They are, I believe it's 7-21 and 21 at home and 12-41 and 41 overall. So that's a game where the Hawks should be favorites even on the road in Charlotte. But the Hornets are playing better. And the Hawks, by the way, did lose in Charlotte. I was, at, I was actually at that game in the season opener. That's a very different team. They don't have Terry Rozier. They don't have Lamelo Ball. Like it's a different team, and they're not good. 
But the Hawks will uh, be interesting to see how they kind of respond to this game uh, and sort of the letdown spot. You know, last game before the break is interesting. Like, guys are ready to get out of town, but you got to take care of business. Also, the looming question about Okongwu's toe. Uh, I think Capella, I expect to be out. It would be very surprising to me if they played Capella, a veteran with some injury stuff, one game before the All-Star break. It would make a lot of sense to me, just logically, if he was even kind of ready to rest him another week and a half, two weeks. Um, but we'll see. So uh, if they don't have a Kongwu and Capella both, you get into a adventure. You know, Bruno's got to play real minutes. They got to go small and they have forward challenges. It wouldn't be as bad as it was on Saturday without Bruno because they would at least have Hunter who would give him some more physicality than uh, just having Bay and Johnson's the only forwards. But so that for now, um, just as a PSA, I am traveling over the All-Star break. So uh, we'll have a little bit of a... I'm trying to check in on some pre-recorded episodes. Like I'm not, I'm not going to go silent for a week and a half. But... It'll be interesting to kind of navigate that whole thing in the next couple of days. So stay tuned for all that. Please subscribe to the podcast. But we'll have a new show at the very least after the game on Wednesday. I'll be dialed into that one. And then uh, All-Star Weekend is All-Star Weekend. And then we'll get into the break and then uh, a return to play in about a week and a half after the game on Wednesday. So the best place to find us is basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. Anywhere you find them, either on the audio side or the video side. Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Overcast and others on the audio side as well as YouTube on the video side. If you're an audio subscriber to the podcast, you also, you also get some bonus content from Locked on Sports Atlanta. They do these postcast episodes that are in addition to what I do as well. So just some free bonus stuff in your audio feeds. And then on video, you will see my shining face on a regular basis. But likes and subscriptions and follows and ratings and reviews, all that stuff is very much appreciated. Find a Hawks friend a Hawks fan friend or two and share the podcast with them. I've uh, been meeting a lot of you at Hawks games. I really do appreciate all the love. Honestly, it's been awesome to kind of get to know some folks over the course of the season, but hopefully that will continue to happen to uh, increase the audience and uh, the community that we have around this podcast, around the team, etc. Follow the show on Twitter slash X at Lots on Hawks. Follow me there as well at BT Roland. I write about the Hawks, share some audio, etc. at patreon.com slash BT Roland as well. And yeah, with all that said, we'll see you at the very latest after the game on Wednesday. We'll have some, uh, hopefully, some content coming through with some guests in the next week, week and a half. I won't give too much of that away right now because hopefully it will still happen. But yeah, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Tell a friend about the show. And we'll see you next time.